John chapter 1, beginning in, in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, hallelujah, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Let me read that again. From His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Let's pray. Father, I don't know what else to say, but just again to say we want to treasure the Christmas message deeper than ever before in, in, in a way that's greater than ever before. Most of us are very familiar with John chapter 1, with Luke chapter 2, with Matthew chapter 1 and 2. Familiar with the passages in Isaiah and all throughout Scripture that talk about the birth of Christ. But we want these truths to move us, Father. We don't want to be so familiar with them that we are numb and say, what possibly, uh, uh, what, what else could I possibly learn out of another Christmas message? Lord, make these truths brand new to us again in a sense that they just light up our world again. That they just blow our mind again to think that Jesus Christ would come to us into this broken world and do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Remove every distraction. Help us to be just in tune with what the Spirit would say to us today and help this preacher to rightly divide the word of truth. We pray this in the good and precious and wonderful name of Jesus. One of the traditions that our family, like many of your families, have at Christmas time is to, to drive around and look at Christmas lights. How many do that from time to time? You just take a, an evening and you drive around and you, do, you just enjoy the Christmas lights. You know, one of our favorite houses is in Lexington on Shinaway. Incredible, incredible decorations, light show every year. And it never gets old driving by this home or several others 
I kind of find myself year after year mesmerized by the beauty of these houses that are just decked out with lights. And I love the appearance of lights during the holiday season on, on trees, candles, and windows. The exteriors of homes just kind of decorated to the max. And one of my favorite services of the year is, is our Christmas candlelight service. I love the, the kind of the ambiance of, of the candles and the tree lights. Uh, and, and I just love Christmas lights. But, you know, Christmas lights are more than decorations. They symbolize one of the greatest spiritual truths of Christmas. Namely, that this world is a place of death and incredible darkness. But Jesus came into the world to bring light and life. He is life and light. Amen? With this truth in mind, I want to quickly address three implications found in our text, John chapter 1, that will help us treasure, I hope, the real meaning of Christmas to an even greater degree. And we'll begin, number one, you can write this down in your notes, by looking at the reality of Christmas. In other words, what does Christmas teach us? Well, first of all, it teaches us this, that this world is an incredibly dark place. You know, if, if you are in an extremely dark room, at first you can see absolutely nothing. You can't even see your, your hand in front of your face. You're very mindful of the darkness, aren't you? However, as you go through a little bit of time, your eyes begin to adjust to the darkness and the darkness doesn't seem over time to be quite as pervasive as it once was. So in a sense, you could say that we get used to the darkness. And isn't this the way that it has become in the world? This is an incredibly dark world full of spiritual blindness and, and evil and all kinds of wickedness. And one of the problems today is that so many people have adjusted to the darkness They've grown accustomed to it. They don't see the wickedness that is in our world. And so, in a sense, they've just adjusted to it. They've just gotten used to it. So much so that they fail to recognize its impact on humanity. And this kind of view of the world, that maybe the world is not such a bad place after all, it may help some people cope with life. But it is not reality. And here is why the understanding of the, the reality of darkness is so important. Because you can never appreciate Christmas, the light of the world coming into the world, if you fail to grasp the world's darkness. Because light is really effective in a dark place, right? We, we had one of our church members spend... Um, some time blacking out our windows for this morning because candlelight is of little effect in a lit room. So see, when we understand the darkness, when, when, when we kind of grasp the depths of darkness that is upon this world, we can so much better appreciate what Christ has done for us. John chapter 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
See, to, to really understand the, the, the meaning of Christmas, we must grasp this reality that the world, apart from Jesus Christ, is an incredibly dark place. And if this were not the case, Jesus would have no reason to come. He, his coming would have been in vain. Let me take this a step further. Not only is the world a dark place, but you and I, apart from Christ... Are part of the darkness. See, a lot of people don't have an issue saying, well, there's some evil in the world. But me, I'm part of the solution because I'm one of the good ones, right? So many people have this. But listen, what's the Bible say? There's none righteous. None. No, not one. There are none righteous. Except those who are righteous in Christ. But in and of ourselves, there's no good in any of us. As a matter of fact, even our righteousness is as of filthy rags. And so understand. See, if you don't understand your own depravity, guess what? You'll never see your need for a Savior. What do I need to be saved from? So we've got to understand, number one, the reality of the darkness that's in this world and our own depravity apart from Christ. And here's a second reality. We have no hope of fixing the darkness ourselves. Dr. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, a book I've referred to throughout my Advent series, addresses the fact that many people today see Christmas as a time that we, not meaning Christians, but just people in general, can come together and bring forth a sense of unity and peace. He says that there are many who think that, that we have the light within us, apart from Christ. That, that we can just somehow find the power within to overcome darkness and social injustice and every kind of evil. And I would say that there are people all over the world today, and, and maybe even in the sanctuary, that as we ring in the new year, in the coming week, would say, listen... I've got this power within, and this year's going to be different for me, but like every year, apart from Christ, we don't have the power to change like we need to change. We, we don't have the power within us, apart from Christ, to do anything about social injustice. You know, in, in a million lifetimes, you and I, we, we could not repair our own brokenness, much less make a dent in the brokenness of the world. That's why Jesus came. See, the Christmas message is that we live in a land of deep darkness. And we have no hope of fixing the darkness in and of ourselves. But here's the great news, the third reality. That Jesus is the only true light. And he has come. Amen? Verse 4 says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. That's incredible news, church. Here's the great news of Christmas. Though this is a deeply dark world and, and though we are a totally depraved people, there is hope. There is hope because of Jesus Christ, because he, the light of the world, came to do for us. I'll say it over and over again, to do what we could never, ever, ever do for ourselves. What a Savior. See, this doesn't happen by our own strength. This change, this 
light in the darkness. This is not something within. It comes by grace. How are we not overcome by darkness? You don't have to watch too much of the news to realize that this is indeed a dark, dark world. How How are we not overtaken by it? Well, it's not by anything that's within us. It's not this inner strength, this inner power. It's through Jesus. It happens, friends, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus, as we yield ourselves to Him. It comes as part of what the Bible calls the new birth, being born again, in which old things pass away, hallelujah, and all things are made new. See, Jesus changes everything. I love the scripture that I read at the beginning of service. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This is who came into the world. Not just a prophet, not just a good teacher, but Emmanuel, God with us. So that's the reality that Christmas declares, that the world is an incredibly dark place. And we in and of ourselves have no hope of fixing it. But God and His infinite love and wisdom and grace stepped into this world. Jesus Christ came to be the light. That's the reality. Secondly, let's look at the exclusivity of Christmas. I'll give a second for you to spell that one. The exclusivity of Christmas. Verse 9, the true light which gives light. Now catch this word to everyone was coming into the world. I see some of y'all looking back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the everyone? Well, according to verse 12, the everyone would be those who received Jesus. Let, let me give you an example why, why this is important. If, if some horrible disease were to break out amongst our, our congregation, and let's say that I have a, a, a remedy here, I might say this. This will cure everyone. This will cure everyone. And by implication, I mean those who take the medicine. It's not going to do anything for those who don't receive it. And that's how it is with Christ. Who is it that moves from darkness to life? Who is it that moves from death to life? It's those who are in Christ. Friends, this is not universal salvation. Okay, and that's what some churches are preaching today. Don't worry about it. Everybody's going to be saved. No, it's for those who believe, who are saved by grace through faith. See, this is the exclusivity of Christmas. The good news of great joy is for those who receive Jesus. And this is the part of Christmas that many people dislike. They love the the gift giving and the candles and the decorations. They don't even mind a nativity scene until we say that Jesus is the way. It's the part of Christianity that this postmodern world is militant over. This claim that Jesus is the only way to salvation. You know, people would, would probably say it's okay for Jesus to be a way. Oh, that's what you believe? He's a way. That's fine. But he can't possibly be the way. They would say that, okay, he's a light, but he can't possibly be the light. Like it or not, this is the message of Christianity. Friends, he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
John 14, 6, Jesus says it himself. Let his words ring this morning. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the exclusivity of Christmas. There's no other way, no other hope, but to trust in Jesus. That's the message of Christmas. And this brings us to the third point. The decision of Christmas. The decision of Christmas. See, the reality of Christmas and its exclusivity demands a decision. Look at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, see, this is a decision, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, Christmas, friends, demands a decision. Because of who Jesus is, because of who he claims to be, Christmas demands not just a decision, but a radical decision. Let me just point out quickly in the scriptures what I'm talking about. You remember the Pharisees were this religious sect of people. They, they thought of themselves as a righteous group. And they, by large, in Jesus' day when he was walking this earth, they, by large, despised him. Why? Because Jesus is the light. And see, the Pharisees looked like really good moral people, but Jesus revealed the depths of their heart, and they didn't like it. He called them whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they looked really good, but their hearts were far from God. That's the true light. And so the, the Pharisees, they denied many of them who he claimed to be. They rejected him. They went to great lengths to see that people didn't listen to him or to, to try to move him away from the scene. They wanted him gone. That was the Pharisees. And then you look at King Herod. Matthew chapter 2, this, this, this king, and as a matter of fact, um, Rome had made him what would be called king of the Jews. And remember the wise men come to him and they say, hey, I heard there's the, the king of the Jews was born. And, and we talked about last week when, when a, a person asks the king, where's the king, this causes issue. And, and what Herod knew was this, that there's only room on the throne for one king. One king. We, we can't share the throne. And so Herod wanted him dead. I mean, this is an incredible, radical decision. And then we have the other side, who, like the wise man, went to infinite lengths. People all throughout the Bible we read about who went to great lengths to find Jesus, to draw near to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to worship Jesus. That's a radical decision, and that's the one I hope that you make today. See, because of who Jesus is, it doesn't make sense to approach him kind of apathetically, kind of nonchalantly, and just say, yeah, you know, Jesus, he's, he's kind, of, kind of cool. No, he, he's King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And that demands a decision. Either you're going to be like Herod, 
and say, oh, he's Lord, and I don't want him Lord of my life. I want to live it my way. And that's what, that's why people, so many people hate Christianity. They don't want anybody telling them what to do, not even God. They want to be the God of their life. That's what Herod wanted. Hmm. I hope that's not you. But that's a valid response. It's not a good response, but it's a valid response because of who he is. You either run from him because you don't want him to run your life. Or, I think the better decision, I know the better decision is this. (laughs) That you run to him. (laughs) That you cling to him. That you abide in him. That you make him the center of your life. There's there's no in-between. You know Him and you love Him, or you, like the Pharisees and King Herod, despise Him. Make no doubt about it. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Why not do it today? Why not do it today? Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Now listen, to us a son is given. See, this baby in the manger that we celebrate today, he's a gift. What do you have to do with a gift? You have to receive it. So I'll ask you, have you received this precious, precious gift? Have you moved from darkness to light? Have you moved from death to life? I had a decorated army officer in my office in in Greeley. Kind of a man's man. Probably never cried a day in his life. And I watched him as he realized the depths of his sin. His life was falling apart. As I told him the simple gospel about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I watched him weep like a baby. Because he said, why would he do this for me? You mean I can have this after all I've done? I can receive this gift. I said, yes. I remember Kelly and Roe, who were their marriage was falling apart. It wasn't even a Sunday. See, <laughs> and I said, guys, you don't need more Doctor Phil books or Oprah Winfrey. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And they grabbed hands and they wept at the altar and both received Jesus together. Have you received this gift? I mean, have you received him? Now, I'm looking at a lot of people that I'm familiar with today that I know you go to church, and that's not what I'm asking you. Have you really received Jesus? Or are you kind of like Herod? You, you're okay. I mean, you, you'll pretend. You know how to put on the show. Remember, Herod acted like he was all about it. Oh, show me. We, we want to lavish him with gifts and But his heart was far from God because this is my life. This is my throne. Oh, I hope it's not you today. And if it is, I pray the Holy Ghost is pulling on your heart right now. Because one day, I say it again, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Do it while it's your choice right now. If the Lord is pulling on your heart, if you feel the Holy Spirit drawing, you may not even understand what's happening. 
Would you believe upon him today? Would you put your trust? You say, Pastor, I don't really know about the whole Bible. I don't, I don't really understand some of the things you said. That's okay. If you understand Jesus, if you believe that he came into this world, was born into a manger, that he lived a perfect life as he walked this earth, and that he went to the cross for you to pay the penalty for your sin, for my sin, and that he was buried, but he didn't stay buried. Because on the third day, he rose. See, we don't serve a a dead God. What we're celebrating today is not just a memory of yesterday, but it's the truth of today. It's still powerful. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And for years, they were looking for this king, this Messiah, going, when's he going to come? Israel was, was looking for him. But then... He finally came after, though he tarried, he came. Many missed him. Many didn't recognize him. And I want you to know his promise is that he's coming back again. And I want every one of us to be ready for that day. Good looks aren't going to get you to heaven. Good conduct is not going to get you to heaven. Charity is not going to get you to heaven. Only when you realize the darkness of your own life that hey I'm a sinner in great need of God's grace can you be saved and the Bible says when you get to that point and you say Lord you confess him as Lord you believe on him the Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved it's not just for the one who you think's better than you you say pastor you don't know what I've done where I've been friend it's for you all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved 